church, we're in a series that just started last week, an epic summer series, and it's called Jesus is blank. And you and me, last week, we filled in the blank about who we think this Jesus is. And I'm convinced that if you ask 10 different people, you might get 10 different answers because there's a lot of different beliefs. There's a lot of different thoughts out there about Jesus. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, we don't really want our opinions about it or our beliefs. What we want is his. Like if anybody knew who Jesus was, it was Jesus. And fortunately for you and for me, uh, John, one of his closest disciples, recorded Jesus as he made seven statements about himself. Seven statements that are called the I am statements. Like, like last week we learned that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And, and Jesus made seven of those. And to set up this week, um, let me, I'll, I'll start with a story. Um, let me ask you a question. How many here of you grew up on a farm? All right. Now, yeah, well, a lot of city folks here. But anyway, few of you grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm until uh, I was 10. And uh, it's, it's a different style of living, just so you know. It's, it's different. Like, like for me, like if you're a city kid or you were a city kid, you had animals, but probably dogs or cats god forbid or maybe a hamster but on the farm there's there's a lot bigger variety so it was weird on the gannon farm here's what was weird the dog was outside and there was you know what was inside what animal sheep i'm not kidding you we, we would have lamb, lambs little, little baby sheep cute little baby sheep in our house in crates and we would bottle feed them you know, be sheep walking around the house, be going to the bathroom, sheep walk by. It was just weird. I mean, it, it was strange. But we had geese and sheep and chickens and all kinds of things. But uh, uh, in fact, I've said this before and I'm not proud of it, but I used to ride sheep, right? And, and somebody, hey, that is, <laughs> that is a legit picture of me, right? So, sometimes people will ask me, Pastor, you share stories from your past. There's no way. Like, that can't all be true. I said, it is, and unfortunately, a lot of it I wish wasn't. But there you go. Um, I rode sheep, and there's a story, and I've shared it once before, but it's so prevalent to today. Um, I was probably not eight or nine years old, and I'm in the barn with this sheep. <laughs> that doesn't sound good anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> but I was, and uh, so there's the, the, a buck sheep. A buck is a, a male sheep. And I'm in there, and I'm being a stupid kid and kicking dirt and harassing this sheep because I had nothing else to do on the farm. So I'm, I'm kind of messing with this sheep, and I'm not paying attention. And the sheep, I, I made this sheep mad. And the sheep charged me. And I didn't see it coming because I was looking at something else, now probably a bird or something. And the sheep charged at me, and there's a panel right in front of me, a gate. It slams into the gate. The gate slams into me. I, I fly back into a pole, into a, the wall, I'm down for the count. It's like sheep one, Monty zero. It could be a knockout. It wasn't. I got back up, but you guys, when I looked down, blood everywhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what happened? And I'm feeling, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm missing a tooth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm missing both my teeth. Both my teeth were knocked out. Guess what I wanted for Christmas that year, okay? So I was, I was so freaked out. I take off running for the house. I'm sure the sheep is like, Who's laughing now, right? You know, I'm like, I'm running for the house. I get there, and I'm like, Mom, Mom, the sheep charged me and nailed me. And I don't know what she said, but I think it was something like, Monty, what did, what did you do to provoke the sheep? You know, it's like, Mom, you think I did something? And I did. But so here's the thing. Jesus, he says in John 10 that he is the good shepherd. That day when the sheep attacked me, there was no shepherd around protecting me, watching over me. It was just me and the sheep. But there's something about having a good shepherd. 
You, even if you didn't grow up in the church world, you probably have heard this, this term, the good shepherd. Boy, today you're going get, to get a great understanding of what it is. I, uh, I'm going to read to you out of uh, the Gospel of John. Gospel just means good news. John 10, verse 11 is where we start. And I'm going to read the story in its full context so you get it. And then we're going to pull it apart. And I, and I promise you, regardless of where you're at in your life, what stage, even what, what you believe or don't believe, this message, if you allow it, it's going to hit you. And it will change you. I promise you. So just lean into this. John wrote this. Jesus, it, Jesus is talking, okay? John 10, 11. Jesus, right out the gate. I am the good shepherd. Says it right away. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. A hired hand well, they'll, they'll run when they see a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for money. He, he doesn't really care about the sheep. right? He's not invested in the sheep. Verse 14, Jesus states it again. He, he wants us to know something here. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Says it again. For, and, I, and he says, I have other sheep too. They are not, they are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them in also. So Jesus is talking about, uh, it's a Jewish audience that he's talking to. Jesus was a Jew. But the, when he talks about other sheep, he's talking about non-Jews, Gentiles. So he's like, I, I need to bring them in too. So that's what he's talking about. Uh, back to the scripture. So, um, and they will listen to my voice and, and we'll be one flock with one shepherd. Verse 17, the father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back up again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want and to also take it back up again. For this is what my father, his father commanded. Last two, scripture, last two verses. When he said these things, people listening, they're, 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 they're divided. They're, they're not getting it. And, and they're, they're, they have their opinions about Jesus. And some said, ah, he's, he's demon-possessed. Remember last week, some people thought Jesus was a lunatic. Well, they thought he's demon-possessed. He's out of his mind. Why would we listen to a guy like that? But others are like, you know, it doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. By the way, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And what, what, that, what that person is referring to is the last week's story, right? That just happened. They just witnessed Jesus uh, heal a blind man. And they're thinking, listen, I, I don't, demon, I, no. This, he did a miracle in this man's life. And, and understand something, in biblical times, shepherds were kind of common, right? Uh, Abel, one of the first people who ever walked the earth, Abel was a shepherd. Uh, Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. But there's only one good shepherd. And you might say those were good men, but, but, but understand the context of good. Jesus was the good shepherd. And I looked it up. The word translated good, when it talks about good shepherd, it means intrinsically good, beautiful, fair. It describes that which is ideal, a model that others can safely imitate. See, Jesus is good. is way, way, way better, way bigger than our good. And there are advantages to knowing the good shepherd. Did you know that? I mean, big ones. I wrote this down. Three things the good shepherd will do for you if you allow him. Three things. Say three. The first thing that, that the good shepherd does is protects. Say he protects. He protects. The good shepherd protects the sheep. Why? Because they belong to him. 
Remember the very first thing Jesus said in our scripture? I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. You want to talk about protection? I mean, if someone's laying down their life for you, I think they're guarding you. I think they're protecting you. Like, seriously, who would you die for? I mean, I think we've said, oh, baby, I'd die for you. I love you so much. Okay, yeah, I would love to tell you I would die for my wife and my kids. I'd take a bullet for them. I just hope it's a rubber bullet or maybe one of the airsoft pellets. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, he, I, he says it multiple times. I'd die for my sheep. I'd do it. And then the next scripture, remember? So, so he protects. It says, a hired hand. Well, they're not protecting. They're not invested. They don't own you. A hired hand, they run when they see the wolf coming. They abandon him because they don't belong to him. The wolf attacks, scatters them. The hired hand runs away. Why? Because he's only in it for the money. He's only in it for the money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. Hired hands do it for the money. The shepherd, he does it out of love. Big difference. That's why ownership, say ownership. Ownership's a big deal. But there's a big difference between owning and renting. I'm convinced. Oh, if you own something, you're going you're gonna to care for it better. You're going to love it more nurturally. Is that a word? I don't know. So anyway, so I, I know this firsthand is because when I was in college, my junior year, we, I rented for the very first time. And we didn't take care of it. I'm just going like, to confess right now. Me and two other guys, finally off campus, living the life, the college life. And we had this house, but we just had the top, right? So there's somebody underneath. And we made a big mistake. Because the person that lived underneath us was the landlord. Laddie the landlord. That was his name. I mean, I kid you not. So, so Laddie, we threw probably four or five parties the first week. It, wasn't, it was good for us, but not for Laddie. He came up the stairs after a week living there. He said, guys, this isn't going to work. You got to stop doing, you know, he, he must have like to sleep or whatever. I'm like, okay, yeah. But anyway, we kept doing the trash in the place, throwing parties. About three weeks later, we threw this epic party. And it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. But Laddie didn't think so. And Laddie came up the stairs again after a month living there. And he said, you guys got to get out. And we're like, yeah, we probably saw this coming. I said, how much time, you know, how much time do we have? He's like, today. It's like this afternoon. It's stressful. But we didn't take care of it because we were renting it. Like, you, this is why you'll never see anybody, like, washing a rental car. Like, you ever see anybody do that? No. Actually, I've heard of one person doing that. And I don't want to stand up here and name names, but uh, it was Mike. Smith. And anyway, <laughs> Mike, I'm sorry. Dude, you deserve to be arrested for that. That's dumb. But I'm washing a rental. Anyway, so, but you, you don't, owning and renting, a big difference. So back to the scripture. Oh, by the way, you're not just going to get a dose of John today out of the gospel. We're going to go back to the Old Testament, to Psalm, and we're going to look at Psalm 23 and, and put them together. Psalm 23 is where Meadows got its name. Some of you remember that. So, Think of this protection that the good shepherd gives, and, and look at Psalm 23, 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, see, some of you, that's where you're at today. You're in this valley. You're in this struggle. I know you don't look like it on the outside. I know you got your, your Father's Day best on, and you're going to go out and eat. It's all good, but I'm talking about it on the inside, you know, where no one else knows and no one else can see. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Now listen to this. Your rod and your staff protect. It protects and comforts me. I love that. He is a protector. Number two. So, so the good shepherd protects. And next, the good shepherd, he guides. Turn to your neighbor and say, he guides. He guides. Tell him. Tell your neighbor. Tell your other neighbor. He guides. So he's protecting you. 
and he's guiding you. Back, back to the scripture. So in John 10, 16, I have other sheep. Remember, I've got other sheep, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. And, and they're not in the sheepfold yet, but I got to bring them in. I got to guide them to us because they need to have one shepherd. So they'll listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus, he's talking about guiding all the sheep together. I mean, you ever, you ever go on a trip and you needed a guide? Like you, maybe you go on an excursion or an adventure. I do every week when I get in my car. You never know where I'm going to end up. I mean, there's Jesus, the good shepherd, and then there's Siri, the wicked shepherd. Okay? She, I don't get it. I do not understand. I love the Australian accent she has. But why she tells me to turn after I've already gone, gone past the point, I do not get it. I, I, and you might be thinking, maybe it's because you're speeding. And you're probably right. But she should compensate for that. She knows me. So I just, it's hard. So, but, but sheep need a guide. If you haven't figured out in the story, we're the sheep. We're the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. Sheep do dumb things. You ever done some, something stupid? I don't have to ask you that. We're, we're human. Yeah. The sheep, are, I, I wrote down, they're, they're dumb. They're prone to danger. Right? They're prone to wander. And if you don't believe me that sheep are stupid, well, take 22 seconds and just check this out. I told you, that's us. That's us. <laughs> that is you and that is me. How many times have you done that? I mean, they are dumb. That's funny. They are dumb. And we are too. So, so we, are, we need the guidance. So in, in one of my Bible study groups that I'm in, we are, are reading through Proverbs. Last week we read Proverbs 14. Listen to this. There's a way that seems right to us. This, this translation translation said there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end it's always death it's always death it'll always lead you in a wrong path like we'll say and i've told you this before don't trust your feelings because we're like oh i got this feeling i i just got this gut feeling i tell people when they say that you know what just give it some time it might be gas okay seriously could be the tacos i don't know but i've got this feeling never let your emotions lead you never let them lead you do not determine the direction of your life based on your feelings, right? Determine the direction of your life based on the good shepherd, Jesus, the guide that we need in our lives. Back to Psalm 23 now, and this is where you're going to see the word meadows, right? Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. There it is. I have all that I need. I, I love that. I love that first verse. God, if we would just own that first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Now listen, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides, there it is. He guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. And I'll never forget reading it and thinking, the church, where we get rest, where we get renewal, where we get redemption. This is the church. This is the shepherd, what he does. The shepherd protects. The good shepherd guides Last but not least, the good shepherd provides. Say he provides. He protects, he guides, he provides. He is your provider. Right before, we, we started with John 10, 11. I want to read you the, the one verse right before our scripture today. John 10, 10. Just listen to this. The thief, the thief's purpose, the enemy, the devil, is to steal, kill, and destroy. 
That's all he wants to do in your life. That's all he wants to do in your kids' life. That's all he wants to do in your marriage. That's all he wants to do with your coworkers. It's all he wants to do. His, his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to provide. Not just a meager life. Not just a, a, a kind of get-by life. I'm talking abundant life is what he wants. Back, back to, uh, to Psalm. You prepare, we finish out Psalm 23. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Providing. The cup overflows with blessings. Providing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love, providing that, will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The shepherd, the good shepherd, he provides care. He provides uh, strength. He provides comfort. He provides blessing. He provides love. Like, if you think about the last week's, uh, last week's uh, scripture in John 9, remember the blind man, Jesus heals him. You have, you have the, the Pharisees, or the religious people that say they're the guide. I'll guide you to religion and I'll guide you. Well, they didn't, they didn't love, did they? Remember what they did to him? They kicked him out of the temple. And who was standing there but the good shepherd watching, bringing him back into the sheepfold, loving him. Why? Because he, he loved this man, the provider. There's a scripture in Matthew. I'm going to give you one verse. But I, I think about it every time I think about our world today. Because I think that when God looks at the world, he, he, it doesn't shock him. It doesn't surprise him. He knows, he knows we're messed up. That's why he sent his son. But I think about this, this verse, Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. See, just like he had compassion on the blind beggar in John 9, he had compassion on them. They're confused. They're helpless. And, the, and listen to what it says. Like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus himself knows that sheep without a shepherd are doomed. They will struggle. They will fall. They will mess up. They will wander. They will stray. I, I love that picture. If, I haven't said this for a while, but if there's one word to describe our church, and there could be a lot of words. Like, like you could say Jesus. He's the cornerstone of our church. You could say love. It's the center of our church. You could say purpose. We talk about it all the time. You have a purpose. But I think the one word I would use first is hope. Say hope. See, when you lose hope, you've lost. And I, and I, I just, I don't know why I couldn't get by that this week. And maybe it was for something in my life, or maybe it's for something in your life, where there's a place where you feel hopeless or helpless. Like Jesus said, you, you feel like a, a, a sheep without a shepherd, lost and confused, struggling. I wonder who I'm preaching to. One word, hope. To finish the scripture for today, uh, two and a half months lapsed between verse 21 and 22. Remember verse 21, they're, they're like wondering, wow, is he a demon-possessed guy? Uh, is he the son of God? Who is this guy? Let's pick it back up two and a half months later. Verse 22. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense, Jesus? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. In other words, Jesus, fill in the blank. You are who? And Jesus is like, you're kidding me. I, you're asking it again? He even said it. Jesus replies, I told you. 
I've told you over and over and over. I fill in the blank, but you don't believe me. And listen to what he says next. The proof, say proof. The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. So, so what Jesus said is, it doesn't really matter what I say to you. It doesn't really matter what I'm believing right now. It matters what I do. See, the work I do in my Father's name, the love I give, the care I give, the protection I give, the guidance I give, that's what really matters. I love that statement. Back to the scripture. Tell us plainly who you are. He said, I've already told you. You don't believe me. The proof is in my work. And then he says in verse 26, but you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. You're not my sheep. See, my sheep listen to my voice. They listen to my voice. I know them. That's huge. And they follow me. See, Jesus knows us. Jesus knows our nature. Yours and mine. The 12 disciples, Jesus knew their nature. Jesus knew that Peter was going to be undisciplined, outspoken. Jesus knew that Thomas was going to be skeptical and doubtful. He knew that Andrew was a people person, and Andrew's going to bring people in and introduce them to Jesus. He knew that Judas was going to kind of look after himself more than others. Jesus knew all that. Jesus knows all about you and all about me. I wrote this down. I said, he knows my nature. He knows everything about me and you. Our worries, our fears, our insecurities, our regrets. Jesus knows all your needs. I'm telling you, the good shepherd knows all your needs, and he is the only one who can meet them. Only him. Nobody else. Nobody else. I love that. So he knows your needs. That's why you're here. One of the reasons he brought you here. He knows your needs. So he guides. He protects. He provides. And I love what he said at the very end, in case, in case you missed it. I know them, and they, he doesn't say know me there. He says, follow me. They follow me. See, there's a lot of people that would claim to know Jesus. I did most of my life. I just wasn't following him anywhere. I think that's a lot of people that, that well, I know, I believe in Jesus. This is how I live my life. I just follow the world. I follow my friends. I follow my own stupid self too many times. They follow me. As the sheep follow the shepherd, I wrote this down, they get to know him more and trust the process. And they learn to love the shepherd more and trust the shepherd more. See, it's not just a one and done. It's not just, you know what, I believe in Jesus and I'm good to go. I'm, I, here's, what, here's what's going to happen. When you, when you do that, you, eventually you're going to wander. Because we live in a world where, that does that. Eventually you're going to stray. And, and you got to keep bring yourself back to center. Like when you're here, when you come to worship, you're bringing yourself back to center. Back behind the shepherd. It's, it's, it, it is not a one and done. And I talk to so many people, especially people that just got baptized. They're going, a lot of them are going through struggles. That shouldn't shock them. That should not shock us. It's a daily surrender. I'll give you a great example. And it just happened. When I left Sioux Falls to move here to, with others to start Meadows Church. It was five years ago. And I was uh, uh, on staff at another church, a pastor, and uh, one of my very good friends was a pastor as well. Well, I left to go here, and then he, then he transitioned to something else. But we still stay in contact. Every month we connect, whether it's a, a FaceTime or just a phone call. But we've stayed connected. We're good friends. When I left, they had just, I think they had just sold their home or they were selling their home. And... Uh, he told me this crazy story. His, his wife was uh, driving in a neighborhood, and she saw this home. And she's like, that's going to be our home. I think, I think that's where we're supposed to live. That's where they have two young kids. That's where we're going to raise our kids, and that's where we're going to live. Th there's one problem. 
The house wasn't for sale. They didn't know who lived there, but that's what she felt like God said. So, so he's like, hey, I want you to pray for us. He said, I don't really, <laughs> it's like God didn't tell me that, but I believe, you know, my wife is very, seems very sure. So we're going to pray over that. So we've been praying over that, and we keep connecting every month, and pretty soon a year goes by, two years go by. Now they're living in a duplex now. Less than a thousand square feet, four people, really no yard for the kids to play in. And, uh, and his wife even went up to the house and, and met them and said, hey, this is what I think God's saying to me. And they're like, hey, I think you're crazy. You know, so uh, <laughs> this isn't for sale, but you know, they, whatever. And she went there multiple times just to check, hey, anything changed? They're like, no, no, still not for sale. So, I, so two years pass, three years pass. Now, here's what you think would happen. And this is what I think I maybe would have done, but he didn't. Why not just get something else? You don't want to live in the duplex. They, they, they're not liking that at all. So why not just get another house and live there until maybe if the house does go for sale, you get the house when it goes for sale. They didn't do that. They, they stayed in the duplex. And, and five years go by. Last month we have our call. And uh, I, he's, we always take each other's prayer requests. And he says at the end, he says, I just want you to pray over the house situation. He said, I don't know what's going on but I, he, he basically he couldn't live where he is living anymore he's like i'm done i cannot do this anymore we've got to get into a home and uh so we pray together and 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 a couple weeks later he reaches out to me and says i need you to pray the house is going for sale it's crazy so the house is going for sale and the, of course you know the housing market so it was they're gonna leave it for sale for like three days and then close it and then look at all the offers and, and then take the uh, best offer so uh, he goes i want you to pray about what we should offer and uh so i said yeah i'll pray and uh i'm excited but i don't know what to expect and so this is last monday he had to put the offer in and he did and wednesday they were gonna you know go through them at one o'clock you know they'd know so wednesday after five years i get it i get a text and he says well we were out bed but we still got the home. Where God guides, God provides. He, uh, I think there were periods during the five years he thought his wife was insane, you know? You know, when I first moved here, I drove by, I drove by Warren Buffett's house and I thought, you know, that guy's supposed to buy us uh, land and a building and I'm just, so I'm gonna go back to his house and it worked for her. So anyway, so I, that story blows me away. Their faithfulness, God said it. He's protected us in this so far. He's guided us through the years. It wasn't a, 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 a comfortable five years, but he's guided them. And they kept trusting and following the shepherd. But at the end, my friend was just, he's, he, he'd had it. And it's funny, it's like, he, it's like God said, okay, this, it's, he's held on long enough. They, 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 I can trust him. And God blesses them in that way. And I'm so excited. Jody, my wife, knows the whole situation. I sent her the text. I'm like, this is amazing. And we're just praising God with them. I don't know where you're at with your walk with Jesus, but I know that the good shepherd wants us to follow him because he has life for us. He has protection for us. He has guidance for us. He has provision for us. It's crazy because in one of these messages in this series, I'll talk about different religions. And I'll talk about what Hindus believe and Buddhists and all that. But that's not for today. But I say that because, but, but one thing I can tell you is that what separates the Christian faith, this Jesus-centered faith from the others, is what Jesus said towards the end. 
And, and if you don't remember, I'll read it to you again. Jesus said in John 10, 18, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. I have the authority, I have it, to lay my life down, and I can take it back up. Okay, that's a crazy statement. You just said that you can, you can die and raise yourself back up. He didn't just say it. He demonstrated it. I thought about, you remember the story, if you grew up in church, you might know this, when Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the governor of Rome, and he's with Jesus, and the people want to kill Jesus, and Pilate's like, Pilate kind of believes Jesus is probably innocent. He's like, Jesus, why aren't you defending yourself? Like, who are you? Tell me about you. And Jesus wasn't saying anything, and Pilate's like, why are, and Pilate said this in John 19, why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize I have the power, Pilate said, to release you or crucify you. Like your life is in my hands. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You can think that all you want. You would have no power over me unless it were given to you by above. In other words, Pilate, the only power you have is because my father gave it to you. But you ain't taking my life from me. You can think you are, and they can think they are, but you're not. So Jesus didn't speak, and he was condemned to die, and he died. Crucified on a cross. From a human point of view, when Jesus was on the cross, it was an execution. But from a divine point of view, Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life. He is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. That's the gospel. It, you'll hear it every week at Meadows Church. As long as I'm the pastor, I promise you. It's the most important thing you could hear. That this world is so temporal. Somebody, a student asked me one time that was going to Oklahoma Wesleyan, interviewed me, and, and he asked me, what's the one thing, you know, that you want people to know? And of course, I want them to know Jesus. But I said, to answer your question, I want people to understand the brevity of this life. Like, if I could help people understand how quick this trip is, and that it's so temporal, and that this will all be taken away quicker than you think, and that there's a life after this that is enormously long and eternal. And, and one decision changes everything. A decision to say, I believe that Jesus was dead, but he didn't stay dead. I believe in what he said, that he could lay his life down and die, and he could pick it back up. And that's exactly what he did. Because Jesus was crucified, but, crucified, but on the third day, he resurrected himself back to life. And if you will sell out to that and just say, you know what, I believe in that. I believe that Jesus is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. It isn't about how good you are. It isn't about how much you do or how much scripture you know or how much church you attend. It is about the good shepherd. It's all, it, that's everything. And that you surrender to him. Surrender is a huge word. Not my will, Jesus, but yours. God's grace and your faith is what saves you. I don't, God, I'm praying right now that you'll do a work only you can do. Speak to us, guide us. You provide for us. Church, even as I pray, I think about another sequence in the Bible where Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. You can't mix them together, it gets crazy. You gotta separate them. And it's a picture of eternity. 
It's crazy. It's in Matthew 25, and Jesus separates the sheep over here. They're, they're, remember, Jesus owns the sheep. The goats, nope. The goats go to a place of eternal damnation, not a place you want to go. The sheep, they go with the Father forever. I wrote this down. I said it's impossible to be neutral about the good shepherd. It's impossible. Well, I, I don't, I'm kind of indifferent. No, Jesus says you're either for me or against me. And if you're not for me, you're against me. He says that because he loves you. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And you know what he really wants to do? He wants you to scatter. Did you catch that? When he talked about the wolf, he said when, when, when the hired hand, he leaves and the wolf, the enemy will come. And in the scripture that we read today, it didn't say the wolf's going to eat him. The wolf's going to kill him. Well, if he, if he can, he will. But his goal is to scatter them. Because when you're scattered from each other, when you're scattered from community, when you're scattered from the body, from others, you're hopeless and you're helpless. When you're scattered from the good shepherd, it's over. The word scatter just kept getting to me. The wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. It's why at this church, we believe in doing life together. If you're new, I met a couple of you already. We have groups during the week. We have prayer during the week. We have community, not just on Sundays. This isn't church. This is a huddle. Church begins when you, when you leave here. So what's the, what's the action item? Well, surrender your life to Christ is the biggest thing I can tell you. Other than that, do you trust the good shepherd to protect, provide, and guide? Like my friend did for five years. When it didn't, didn't make sense to anybody else, they thought that he was crazy and his wife was crazy. But God looked at him and said, they get it. They follow. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. A good shepherd that we desperately need. God, work in a way that only you can. Move in a way that only you can. Your word says that when we sell out to you, surrender to you, your Holy Spirit, which is you like in spirit form, will come into us and guide us. There's the guidance. Protect us. There's the protection. The Holy Spirit. God, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit, as you flood this place and flood our hearts and our minds, that you will give us the, the wisdom and the strength and the courage to do what you're calling us to do. For some, it's going to be prayer. After we worship in song, they're going to come up for prayer because they know they need it. For others, they're going to turn to somebody next to them. They're going to ask for prayer right, right in the row. For others, they need to leave. When, when they leave here, they know they got something they need to do. Trust they need to build. A path they need to follow. A good shepherd they need to find. Well, you're right here waiting. Father, have your way today. Do what only you can do. We love you. We love you. We thank you. And we declare that in you, God, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen.